Welcome to the Women Inseparable Freedom Series with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Here's Jacqueline. Video three of our Freedom Series. We're going to look at Acts. Acts chapter 10. And as much as I want to do a study on freedom with specific topics, this is me and God. We've had lots of these conversations. We need to talk specifics. We need to talk specifics because there's need for specific freedom. But God has created a world, hasn't he? He's created a world with such a diverse amount of women and men and teenagers and college students and children. And we all need freedom in different areas. Some freedom to do more, freedom to do less, freedom from cages, freedom from mental, freedom from emotional, freedom from physical. The word freedom is so vast to cover every single topic, everything that's in all of our hearts would be a series I don't think that YouTube could handle. <laughs> it would be too much. So that's what God's been laying on my heart. It's not about the topic. It's not about the specific that we need to cover here in this series. It's about scripture and it's about knowing how to use scripture as a sword. So it doesn't matter what that is that Satan is saying, you can't get freedom in this area. We can stand together in united love of Jesus Christ with our sword and say, yes, yes, I can get freedom in this area. And I know how to, because I know Jesus. To those of us that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you don't know exactly what Jesus means, can I ask you a favor? Video two of our Freedom Series talks very specifically about Jesus Christ. According to scripture, it's not my opinion, it's not my thoughts, it's just scripture. Will you join me in video two and, and meet Jesus? That's my prayer, my request. For those of us that are sitting here ready to move forward in using scripture as a sword. Let's do it. Are we ready? We're going to look at Acts 10. Acts 10, just to set up the scene, I'm going to read the verse, the first few verses. Um, and then we're going to talk about a dialogue. We're going to see a couple different characters in this story. And we'll know a lot about some of the characters and we'll know like nothing about others. As we look at the human characters, Above all else, will you find the character and the presence of the Holy Spirit? That's my request. Find the presence and the character of the Spirit of God as you read this story. As you see each human, find the Spirit and what's happening in each of these characters. Chapter 10, verse 1. It says, in, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. So, human character number one. We know a lot about Cornelius based on his location of where he lives. It says he's a centurion. So he's a Roman. He's military. He was known with the, worked with the Italian cohort. Co cohort. Verse 3, it says he was a devout man. Your scripture, your version, I'm in the ESV, your version might say that he is a godly man. That he is a devout man. This man had incredible faith in God. It continues and says that he's a devout man who feared God with all his household. We sit here and we praise God for this man's house and we pray for our house. Not beautiful if that's your sentence. And how beautiful if that's the prayer of your sentence to be able to say, this is my household. We, we as a household are believers in God. That's beautiful. It's our belief in God through Jesus Christ where freedom comes in all areas. 
He feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people. So we know he was a man of position. We know he was a man of rank and he used his finances in a generous manner. Says a lot about his character, doesn't it? So we know a lot about this man just from these couple of verses. He gave alms generously to the people and he prayed continually to God. It's a lot of information. This is Cornelius. One thing that we know about Cornelius as we read this story is the introduction of this man is that he was not a Jew. In this day, in this age, Jesus came to the Jewish nation. Jesus preached to the Jewish nation. His miracles were for the Jewish nation. His disciples were Jews. It was all about the Jews. Up until this point in the story, in the book of Acts, it's all about the Jews. It's all about God's chosen people that we meet originally back in the book of Genesis. It's a long story when you cover the history of the Jewish nation. And this is where, where freedom started. Jesus declares, prophesied in Isaiah that he came to set the captives free. And that was for the Jewish nation. And it wasn't a physical freedom. It was a spiritual freedom. I've come to set you, set you free through the new life that I have to offer to you through me, through Jesus Christ risen again. It's that freedom. This is what Jesus was doing. But here at this point, there's a change and this whole story in chapter 10 is about a Roman, about a non-Jew. And it's very interesting. The story that takes place from chapter nine into chapter 10. Um, personal challenge, read Acts chapter nine and then read Acts chapter 10. If time allows you the whole book of Acts. See the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. In verse 3, and this is where um, I pray that you see where the Holy Spirit sits in this story, specifically Acts chapter 10, verse 3. It says, about the ninth hour of the day. This is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. About the ninth hour of the day, he, Cornelius, saw clearly in a vision an angel of God. Pause with him for a moment. Visualize this. And I have a feeling that the vision that you have in your head of what the angel of God looked like is not what the angel of God looked like. A little side study for you. Look into what the angels created by God looks like. Fascinating. You read through the book of Ezekiel when Ezekiel has encounters with angels of God. Read the physical descriptions of what Ezekiel sees in this angel. It is not what is depicted in TV and photos today. It's wheels covered with eyeballs. And inside those wheels covered with eyeballs are wheels inside the wheel. This is the description of angels. You'll see descriptions of angels in the book of Revelation throughout scripture. And they stand with such descriptive images. So if we can erase our sweet little cherub image that we have of angels today, and we picture the responses that people in the New Testament, when Joseph saw angel and Mary saw angel and the shepherds saw the angels, there was always a response of fear. But we have images of angels that are not fearful at all. They're bright and beautiful. Why is fear such a response? Because an angel is created as an angel. We are created in the image of God. An angel, it's a whole new ball game. So this angel comes before Cornelius and reading scripture again with a new mentality that perhaps this angel did not look like a man, 
but like an angel of God. He came in and he said to Cornelius, his name, silence, when your name is spoken from the angel of God, verse four says, and he, and he stared, Cornelius stared at him and, and what? The ESV says he stood, stared at him in terror. This is what's happening in this Roman centurion, this man of power, this man of prestige, this man who could snap his finger and things got done. All of a sudden, an angel of God stood in front of him and he was sore afraid. He stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, these are the words that God sent this angel to speak to this non-Jew. He says, your prayers and your alms or your giving have ascended as a memorial before God. He's saying God has seen, God has heard, and God wants to do something through your prayers. It makes me want to sit and want to know exactly what were Cornelius's prayers. What were those what were those lists that he prayed continually about? Where did freedom fall on his list for he and his household? For the Roman nation, was he praying for freedom for his Roman nation as their outcasts in the belief of Jesus Christ? An interesting place for them to be in as, as a nation, wasn't it? They were Romes, Romans who believed in Jesus but they weren't allowed to proclaim it so much because the Jews who did believe in Jesus knew it was just for them. So like there had to have been a whole new level of social tension. Do you know social tension? We're not the first society to deal with this issue. It says in verse number five, the angel is continuing in this conversation with Cornelius and he says, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. Cornelius, as a non-Jew, was being told by an angel of God to do something that was not comfortable for him to do, may not have been culturally accepted for him to do. So at this very point, when the angel of God, when the spirit, if you were, was telling Cornelius to go and do something, it wasn't in his nature to do. But he was directed to go send people to Joppa. Joppa we see in scripture a couple of times. One of those times we see is in Jonah, our sweet dear friend Jonah. God told Jonah to do something and he didn't. He went to Joppa so he could run away from God. Enter Joppa. This is where we sit with this scripture. He says, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He says specifically, he is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. So do you see the other characters that just entered our story? We have Cornelius, we have Simon Peter, we have Simon the tanner, and we have the angel of God. Verse seven, it says, when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he, Cornelius, called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. So a soldier that was part of his household, indicating he was a believer as well. And having related everything to these servants and everything to the soldier, he sent them to Joppa. Can you imagine the excitement and the terror and the words in that conversation? So meeting, meeting today right now. I, um, so um, an angel. Like, how do you tell that story? Have you ever had an encounter with God? That moment in your prayer closet where it's you on your knees before the throne of God and 
that moment. You're talking to God and you could feel God give you a message, give you a direction, tell you, this is what I want you to do. I'm calling you to use your gifts for the kingdom of heaven. And you leave the throne room of God and you go to your person, whether it's your spouse or your friend or your family member or your, your pastor. And you say, how do you start that conversation? You ever had that? And you think, okay, do I feel silly? Am I real? Is this right? I remember sitting in front of a pastor, my cousin, years ago, and saying, I, I feel like God wants me to do more. And I felt silly. And that was, that was me with my God telling my cousin. It was all very safe little situations. You hear Cornelius, a non-Jew, describing to people, um, so an angel just came to me. And this is what he looked like. And this is what he said. And none of this makes sense to me. But yet his servants trusted him and knew him enough that they believed him. And they carried out what God wanted him to do. That's miraculous. That's beautiful. After they left, it says the next day, the next day, this is, this is how sweet God is and the timing in which he does things. We've got these servants, we've got this soldier on their way to Joppa. It says the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, they were at the gates of the city. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So look at the timing, look at how the Holy Spirit works and think of the word freedom in the back of your mind. Think of the word freedom as we study this, this scripture. And I pray that God does what God does to the spirit on each of our hearts. Watch this three o'clock in the afternoon on day one, the Holy Spirit, the angel of God comes to Cornelius and says miraculous stuff, miraculous stuff, but in simple terms, isn't it? It's something grand, something huge, but he gives him specific steps. Don't you love that? He says, I want you to do something grand, something big, and just do a step one, a step two. That's all you got to do. Oh, steps. I like steps. I like being able to know this is where you are right here. Stay right here. Don't look further because you're going to want to pass out and crawl into a cave and not do anything. Just stay right here. God gives him a miraculous message, says, go do these little things. And he obeys. He obeys the message of God. The next day, while he is at home waiting to get word from his servants, word from his soldier, the Holy Spirit was not done working. But the Holy Spirit doesn't go to Peter at the very moment he goes to Cornelius. Because God knows Peter. He waits almost a full day later to tell Peter what's getting ready to come. And I'm curious what would have happened if God talked to Peter at the same time he talked to Cornelius, if Peter would have jumped up and obeyed, or if he would have been a little like, hold on, let's have a conversation first. <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready because here's the deal with Peter. Peter was a Jew. We know as much, we know more about Peter than we knew, do know about Cornelius, but they lived in night and day situations. Peter was a Jew, was from a Jewish nation, grew up in a Jewish town, served a Jewish carpenter, was the first called by the king of the Jews to be a disciple. He was through and through a Jew, and he was a very traditional Jew who stuck with the customs of the Jewish law. One of those Jewish laws was 
Stay away from unclean. Don't even touch unclean. You touch unclean, you're therefore unclean. Don't even go near it. God was getting ready to bring a non-Jew, an unclean person to Peter. And this is the conversation that the Spirit is having with Peter at this moment. Side note, and we're going to close with this, and I pray that God will build this message. Simon the Tanner is our last character in this story. Simon the Tanner, we know his name is Simon. It's a Jewish name. And we know he was a tanner. It's a non-Jewish trade. A tanner gets animals post-life and turns, makes leather and sells them. This is what Simon the Tanner did. Simon the Tanner was, did things that were ceremonial, serum, say it? Thank you. And clean. We don't know if he was a Jew. We know his name is Simon. He's a Tanner. That's all we know. And we know he lives in Joppa. He lives outside of Joppa near the sea. Easy, easy business right there. This is where Simon the Peter was living with. Simon Peter, who did not touch things that were unclean, were asked by God to live somewhere that he disagreed with. Do you see where the freedom of God comes in? Sometimes and in some ways, God wants us to experience freedom, even when it's outside of what we say is correct. For Simon Peter to be willing to say yes to God, I will stay with Simon the Tanner, was him saying your will, not mine. I don't agree with that lifestyle. As a Jew, I can't participate with that lifestyle. I cannot participate with Simon the Tanner. Uh, my opinion, my thought, my judgment, my standard, and God says, live with Simon the Tanner. Okay. My question for Simon Peter at that time was, were you ready for that level of freedom? Were you ready to sacrifice your, yourself to the point that maybe Simon the Tanner got to have freedom through this situation? I have a feeling Simon the Tanner was judged sometimes for his lifestyle, for his ways. And in our next video, I want to continue on in this study in Acts chapter 10. But for right here, for right now, I pray that you consider the Holy Spirit and how he's leading Cornelius, a Roman centurion, to do things that were out of his comfort zone. He's leading Simon the Tanner to open his house to someone who he knows is going to judge him. Consider Simon Peter, who's getting ready to enter into a whole new world that he wasn't even ready for. And we see that in Acts chapter 10, what's sitting before Peter. Peter had a choice to make. He said yes. He said yes to living with a man named Simon who did something that was so disrespectful to his nation. That's amazing to me. And then we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that was in every single one of these situations. And this is when I think we start to see freedom the most. Is when we realize that it's bigger than our world. Because we all sit here and we all have our own world, right? And the beautiful thing is as a person who testifies, I believe in Jesus Christ risen again. God is my father. The Holy Spirit is in me, which means me and my world of existence, child of God, you in your existence, child of God, you in your existence, child of God, the Holy Spirit is with each and every single one of us and will use each and every one of us in each other's lives to bring freedom to ourselves and freedom to one another.
if we're willing to enter into that zone. Are you willing? We're so glad you joined us today. If you need prayer or simply have questions, email us at womeninseparable at gmail.com. You can find more Women Inseparable studies on various social media platforms.